All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks over at HSBC Rugby Sevens. My name is Dave Quadrelli. That is Harmon Dial. And we are back after a nice little Christmas break. Harmon, first of all, how was your Christmas? It was great. Hanging out with my sister, hanging out with friends. It was good to just finally have some uh, downtime. I was pretty tired after the road trip. So just to be able to hit the reset button, it was awesome. And now with hockey coming back, it feels like it's a perfect time because you're just excited and pumped to get going again, as opposed to years past. Again, it's sort of you hit the holiday break and you're enjoying the holidays, but then trying to switch back on to hockey, at least from covering the Canucks, is, you know, can be difficult because oftentimes they're sitting, I don't know, <laughs> bottom third in the NHL standings and there's a bunch of controversy and drama and you're like, oh man, do we really got to do this again? But no, this year it's... um you're pumped, right? See them at the top of uh, the standings and excited to cover the game tonight and, and get back to uh, the show. The last time we did a show, the Canucks weren't first in the NHL standings, so we still technically have a game to break down. I know it feels like ages ago and it feels like a long time uh, since we've last done a show, but we'll get to that and much more. Today is a very packed episode of Canucks Conversation. We'll later be joined by Dave Hall, who's going to talk World Juniors with us. Uh, Sweden, which is the only team we're watching right now. Uh, two games into their tournament as well. Two wins for a team. Sweden with a shutout today against Germany. So we'll talk about that and more before we do that. I need to tell you about our presenting sponsor, who I already mentioned, HSBC World Rugby 
sevens. Western Canada's largest sporting event, and this year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens Series. HSBC Vancouver Sevens, where high-caliber rugby and the ultimate party weekend collide. SVNS truly is a sporting event like no other, and a weekend you won't want to miss. For three full days from February 23rd to 25th, BC Place is going to be the place to be. 12 women's and 12 men's sevens teams, including two Canadian squads, take to the pitch for three full days of jam-packed rugby and, of course, partying. Tickets on sale now at vansevens.com, starting from just $40 per day. Harmon, where the hell do we start? Like, 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 where do we start here? Because we still have to talk about the San Jose game a little bit. Um, obviously, that was a 7-4 to four win for the Vancouver Canucks. Like I said... It feels like ages ago, but the vibes were good heading into the break. Andre Kuzmenko scores two goals. I think we'll keep it short talking about that game, but I feel like that's kind of where we need to focus is Andre Kuzmenko scoring two goals. He's back in the lineup tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers, and he's back on the first line with Elias Pettersson as well. Yeah, and I mean, just a confidence boost to, to get that first goal within two minutes. I, I love the entry play by Pettersson as well, the way he was entering the zone so assertively and with that much speed sort of backing up San Jose's defense and then for Kuzmenko to pick up the loose change there, a score. And then most importantly, I think from his personal perspective and staying in the lineup to score on the power play off that redirect because the man advantage was really struggling for much of December and it just didn't look right with three forwards and two defensemen. And I think this is a reminder that, hey, this Canucks power play really needs four forwards and one defenseman and there aren't many great alternatives to Kuzmenko. So that alone, I think should keep him in the lineup at this point, yeah. even just as a power play specialist, Kuzmenko deserves to be in the lineup, regardless of how his five and five play is trending because you saw it, right? He gives you extra options there with his sort of ability to redirect pucks in the slot. He also does well in and around the net, as we saw during many stretches last season, they just need to make sure that they don't have him hanging out too much on that left flank where Miller's been really successful. And I think you can make that um, make that power play work again, which I think is going to be a massive part of uh, having this team sort of find its groove again. But really, that's that's my main takeaway is not even so much Kuzmenko focus specifically, but just the power play really needs him. And that alone should be a reason to um, to keep him in the lineup moving forward. And it kind of sucks, right? You you score two goals from Kuzmenko's perspective, and when you're when you're starting to feel that confidence again, you just want to keep playing as much as possible. The the break here is a bit suboptimal from that perspective, where they're going to play Thursday tonight against Philly, and then they're not going to play again until Jan second against Ottawa. So it's a bit of a start and stop. And from that perspective, I'm going to be watching Kuzmenko carefully to see okay, how does he get himself back to, to feeling the way he was offensively against San Jose? Um, does he feel that same sense of confidence or, or is it truly a, another sort of fresh start again? Um, but yeah, I, I think um, to me, he cemented himself now as regardless of how much he struggles defensively or, or what happens at five on five, he's got to be in the lineup. Yeah, and I, I was just reading back because yesterday I did something of the top 15 most read articles at Canucks Army of 2023, and I kind of took a bit of a trip down memory lane. And one thing I found on that trip was that like to start last season, and technically it wasn't 2023 that this was written, but the, the Mikheyev-Pedersen-Kuzmenko trio was legitimately one of the best lines in the NHL. And one of the things that I found interesting about that line was that 
a lot of the matchups were still going to Bo Horvat, not so much to JT Miller. If you recall, JT Miller was kind of playing with, you know, what basically are third line wingers and JT Miller was kind of on the third line uh, a bit under Bruce Boudreau there. But the mikhaev Patterson kuzmenko trio was so good when Bo Horvat was still here. And I just, look, I know they didn't have the same defensive responsibilities that the line would have now, but, you know, you talk about how it's just important he's in the lineup it would be great if he could stick in the top six and stay on that line and find some of that magic that they had uh, in the early parts of last year when they were able to find so much success. And you hope that it's, it's, it's close to possible because Lewis Patterson's line isn't getting hard matched right now. Most nights it's, it's JT Miller's line taking most of the matchups. So I just found that interesting that looking back, like that line was so dominant at five on five and you look, you, you just hope that they can find that spark again with Kuzmenko there. Yeah, definitely. And really, it's it's interesting, too, because in that San Jose game, you it felt like they were involved in, in all the scoring, both for and against, because they were also on the ice for three goals against, right? And I think that's going to be the main thing that I look for in terms of in terms of whether that line can stay together is how are they going to hold up defensively? Because I know that they can create offense. I know that they can uh, create chances, but how are they going to fare in terms of winning their matchups? Are they going to be responsible in their own end? Now it is important. I think to mention that two of those three goals against in that San Jose game for that line um, started with mistakes. I think by Pedersen, for instance, the Duclair um, goal, both Kuzmenko and Mikheyev were deep in the offensive zone below the hash marks. And at that point, as the, the loose puck started to become free for San Jose, Pedersen started the play actually above Duclair, but then he jumped in because he, he thought he could steal that puck missed. And all of a sudden that's why there was a three on two and Duclair had all that time and space because really Pedersen started above Duclair on that. So I, I looked at Pedersen as the sort of breakdown there. Uh, and also on one of the, one, one of the other goals against uh, Pedersen had a chance to clear, couldn't get it out. So, that obviously will iron itself out. We know how good Pedersen is as a two-way player, but really that's another aspect of what I'm looking for. And I'm sure the coaching staff is going to be intently looking at is uh, how's that line going to fare in terms of what it gives up. And it's not, not so much just what happens in the defensive zone. Really. I think for that line, it starts with when you're talking about controlling play, how successfully are they able to forecheck? And that's been the main point of emphasis that talk it, um, hasn't liked about Kuzmenko's game. And while Mikheyev offensively has looked terrific, uh, he's generated a ton of chances from from the middle, scored a lot of five-on-five five goals. Compared to when he's at his best, I think we still haven't seen him uh, sort of be that menace on the forecheck that he's typically been when he was on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And obviously, I think the main reason for that is he's still still recovering and and putting that ACL injury further and further behind him. But when McCabe's at his best, he can be a monster on the forecheck. I remember watching so many Leafs games where McCabe was just such a thorn in the side of the other team's defenseman. And I don't think we've seen enough of that. So when I look at that line's forechecking success as well and, and how they're going to perform in that capacity, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Kuzmenko and and that's going to be huge. But I'm also hoping that further down the line that McCabe can can have a little bit more jump and can add from a play driving element there too. 
Okay, Philadelphia is in town tonight. Uh, what are you looking for from this matchup? And also, I just want to say this is why we make such a great team because that game was like seven days ago and you're bringing up defensive breakdowns and who is at fault. Dude, I, I can I could remember <laughs> one of those goals. Like one of the goals from the game is all I can remember. Everything else is a complete blur. I'm I'm shocked you were like able to recall that. Ago. Yeah, I know, it was good. It was good. Impressive it was arm. You've got a good memory there. Oh, yeah, I, I don't awesome. have a good memory. I just rewatched the highlights again today. <laughs> we probably should have done that, Quads. We probably should have yeah, done Probably should have done some prep, Grady and I. But yeah. Grady's got a puppy, and you know how I am. So, anyways, um, the Philadelphia Flyers are in town tonight. Uh, Harm, what are we looking for from this matchup where the two backup goaltenders will face off with Casey DeSmith getting the start for the Vancouver Canucks uh, and S- Simone, Simon, Erson getting the start for the Philadelphia Flyers? Yeah, I honestly think it's it's a great opponent for the Canucks to have uh, after a few days off and riding the high of, okay, we're at the top of the NHL standings because Philly's going to give you nothing easy. The way they play under John Tortorella, the level of buy-in that they have, they're the definition of greater than the sum of their parts because you look up and down the roster and you think, that team probably shouldn't be that good, and yet they're third in the Metro, I believe. They're firmly in a playoff spot right now. And it hasn't been a fluke. You look at their underlying numbers, and at 5-on-5, five five, they're one of the stingiest defensive teams in the NHL in terms of protecting the middle of the ice, barely giving up high-danger chances. This isn't the, this isn't a case of, okay, they've got a great goaltender, and they're getting timely scoring, and, and, and they're winning games by the skin of their teeth. They've genuinely been earning these victories, and it's because they pressure the puck so well all over the ice. And so... Once you come off that holiday break, I just think it's great to have an opponent where you know you can't coast by, to to have a have an opponent where it's like, yeah, we can beat them, but we're going to have to be on top of our details. We're going to have to win board battles. We're going to have to be quick uh, and strong on the forecheck. We have to make sure that when we're breaking the puck out, that we aren't making mental mistakes, that we aren't getting too cute as we're transitioning play up the ice. And... I think that's just a great way to to get back into uh, into games because as you'll see last night, for instance, as teams were sort of coming back um, after a few days off, teams can be sloppy when when they first return. It can take time to get mentally switched on again. And I think Philly is just the type of opponent where you're going to have to be on right away, especially because as we know, um, the Philly game early in the season was one of Vancouver's only ugly performances of the year. So the Canucks, you'd assume, aren't going to be complacent about this one either. The thing that's so funny, and it's it's good that you brought up how hardworking the Flyers are because that's what I kind of focus on was to start the year, we saw them come out so hot. And I just thought it was another case of, this is a John Tortorella coach team. We see this every year. We see it every year. Uh, a group of guys that shouldn't be as good as they are to start the year come out flying, they're playing the system. And then at like game 15, they're all super tired and can't keep it up over the full course of a season. But we're heading into January here and the Flyers are still a very good, very hardworking team. So maybe this is the year that the John Tortorella coach team um, that doesn't look like they should be any good turns out to actually be good. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. I found it interesting and it reminded me of the Washington Capitals who I was going to bring it up. Maybe we'll bring it up later, but Ethan Bear uh, officially signs with them today and we'll see kind of uh, where that goes, where he ends up slotting in in Washington. But like, all of Washington's underlying numbers look horrible and they're they're right there in the playoff conversation in a very busy metropolitan division and <clears throat> excuse me holding down the wild card and if you sort by points percentage which of course we do on this show uh they're they're in 
they're in their third in the Metro. Um, if you sort by points percentage. So it's just interesting that these two teams who I don't think any of us would have thought would have even compete in the Metro are really like right there in the playoff conversation. And if you guys remember back to the torts year um, with the Sedins, the Canucks had started off really well, but it was just after Christmas into the new year where their play really started to take a nosedive. And, you know, that's when torts was getting the Sedins to block shots and, and whatnot. And just going back to that Flyers game from earlier this season, that's where we got that uh, banger of a quote from Talkit saying, who are we to think we're anybody? So it's interesting to see kind of where the team has come now and that the fact that the Flyers are still kind of hanging around in that division of theirs. But uh, a good test tonight. And, you know, you got two backup goalies starting. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Okay, let's get to light the lamp right before we get to Dave Hall, and we'll give our uh, first first goal scorer of the game because it is time now for light the lamp. Brought to you by our friends at Four Winds Brewing. Vancouver is playing Philadelphia tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a twenty-five dollar gift card to the Four Winds Tap Room located at Seventy Second and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Combo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook and make sure you ask about four wins light light logger at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at four wins brewing.ca. All right. This is uh this is going to be a good one. We'll get to Dave Hall here who is brought to you by our friends at the VGH millionaire lottery. Lots of good stuff over there. Uh, make sure you go support them. Order in person at London Drugs or online at millionairelottery.com. 19 plus to play. Know your limit. Play within it. Every ticket purchased supports VGH and the UBC Hospital Foundation. Don't forget to get your 50-50 plus tickets. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, Dave Hall is the man that we want to talk to right now because the World Juniors are on and we did our little World Juniors preview. Dave, you were, this is back-to-back episodes of Canucks Combo for you. You were on the last episode we did uh, heading into the Christmas break. First of all, I uh, hope you and the family had a good Christmas and uh, thank you so much for doing this again today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's been a, a busy couple days, but uh, I'm ready to get back at it. And if I can, I'm going to predict um, Connor Gara for the goal scorer today. Oh, I forgot to even do that myself. Okay, I'm going Quinn Hughes. Harmon, who's your pick? Okay. I was going to pick Garland too, so wow. uh, me and Did Dave are guys? both loading up on uh, Garland here. I love it. I love it. Okay, Dave, so last time we had you on, you were previewing Team Sweden, which is the only team any of us care about right now, <laughs> at the World Juniors. They've had two games. They have two wins. 5 nothing win over Germany today. Let's focus on the Canucks prospects. Uh, when you were previewing what you expected to see from them, how close is that to what you've seen from them against two opponents who are probably the weakest opponents they'll face from here on out? Is it safe to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Their their tournament kind of starts tomorrow, obviously. Team Canada and Team Finland for the next two. But, uh, you know, not to give myself too much of a pat on the back here, but so far I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty content with how, how I predicted. John McCaramacki, we were hoping for a big tournament, and so far three points through two games, although he could have 10 to be realistic. That line has just been buzzing for both games. Um, 
you know, Tom Wheelander, we, 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 all we were hoping for was just one of those tournaments where he kind of shows up, shows off his skating and is good defensive, but didn't stand out too much so far. That's kind of what we've seen. And Elias Pedersen, I actually predicted last week that he'd kind of be the, the, the one that would, I, I, I thought would stand out as kind of the surprise for all Canucks fans. And so far, he's actually even shocked me, to be honest. He's been playing tons of minutes. He's led the team in ice time both games of 21 and 23 minutes. So he's just been a minute muncher. And yeah, so far, so good from all three, to be honest. Dave, I want to ask about Jonathan LeCaramacchi because it isn't just the goals, but it seems when you hone in on his off-puck play, uh, how he's been moving his feet, drawing penalties, <clears throat> um, engaged in 5-on-5 five five play rather than just leaning on let's say just his shot and just his one-on-one skill so like much more of a complete performance compared to last year's world junior what have you noticed uh in terms of what he's doing sort of away from the puck even as a play driver um what, what stood out outside of just the goal score well and that's just it right like that's kind of what i've been harping on all all season is that you know even though he's not the most um you know, he's obviously not, they, doesn't have the hugest frame. He's still doing what he can to make sure he's getting into all the four checks. He's even gotten a couple of hits in this tournament. Um, he's just overall being a, a bit of a puck hound and he's just making sure that he's being responsible on both ends of the ice, to be quite honest. And today we actually saw quite a bit of uh, plays where he, he set up Noah Oslin to get quite a few chances, to be honest, and they just weren't going in. So overall, he's he's been so much more than just a shooter. And what, what I've liked from him in these first two games is we're even seeing him drive drive this, uh, the slot a little bit. So he's getting into that middle of the ice and he's, he's definitely uh, he's going for it offensively. So I'm really curious about him because like. It feels like all the conversation around him has been, yeah, he's going to be a really good finishing winger or a power play. No, I don't use the word power play merchant, but like a guy who's really effective on the power play, maybe not so much at five on five. And I think everything we saw in his draft plus one year kind of supported that. And he's been doing better things as we've heard in our conversations with you. But I really noticed him today against Germany, just how good he's been kind of off the puck. Um, and so I think it's he's an interesting player to kind of watch. Uh, moving forward quickly i wanted to get this one in because this is from a uh this is from a listener of the show nick p in the chat here said did you guys see the video of dpd Elias Pedersen guessing the sedines as the brothers who played for sweden at the world juniors uh in 1981 dave did you see that because that that had me howling i hate to say it but i actually didn't i just saw it uh, i just saw a tweet of that today so i'm gonna go check that out as soon as we're you done need here. to go check it out and we had an article about it on canucks army so you can find it close to home it was so good it was in a it, listeners of the podcast if you haven't seen it go find it it's so so funny okay which segues me into my question which is actually about Elias Pettersson and what we've seen from him in this tournament i feel like i've heard his name a few times uh did i see him correctly did i see him playing on a pair with willander today uh so he was elevated to the top uh pairing today i kind of mentioned in in my opening tweet with the lines they're, they're kind of doing a good job at spreading out the the lines so they've tried a few things especially in a game where you know you're winning five nothing and you kind of want to you know give some options a try but uh he was playing mostly with with Havlid on the top line there and i think they saw a couple shifts but I don't, they weren't actually lining up together as as a full unit but how did Patterson do how's Patterson look so far through two games yeah, he's exactly as advertised. He's not going to show up anything off, you know, he's not going to blow you out of the water or anything offensively, but he's just a sound, solid, no-nonsense kind of defender. He's he's aggressive. Um, 
you know, he's just playing big minutes and just doing everything he can to shut down the offense. It's so far, it's been pretty flawless. Of course, as you mentioned, Latvia and Germany, we'll see what happens against Canada and uh, and the Finns. But so far, he's just been pretty much as advertised as that two-way, just no-nonsense defender. What's been the story of his season so far? Because last season, he spent the majority of it in the SHL. This year, he hasn't been able to stick there, which, uh, to be fair, isn't... Um isn't the end of the world because the SHL is a really tough uh, league for defensemen to earn uh, trust to play everyday minutes. So he's sort of been playing in the all Svenskin. skin. Uh, mm. What do you think the story of his season has been so far? And from a Canucks perspective in terms of what's next, would you look at potentially for next season, look to sign him, bring him over to North America, or do you think it's best for him to continue letting him cook in Sweden? Yeah, and I mean, it's important, you know, he's 19. So I don't care if you're a forward or a defender, it's hard to crack minutes in the SHL as a 19 year old. So I wasn't too, too surprised that he wasn't seeing a ton of minutes, but I was I was quite happy with the decision because I'd much rather him play 19 minutes down in the All Svenskin and get some good development rather than, you know, struggle to play five seconds in the SHL. So, so far it's been, it's been a good showing. He's kind of quieted down a little bit. Um, but, you know, his outlets are just fantastic, to be honest, from his transition from behind the net to get the puck to the forwards is just that's been what stood out to me as the most impressive in his game, because uh, I kind of knew that the two way defense was always there. So the transition for me was has been my my greatest uh, positive for him so far. Um, and in terms of looking forward, it. It's a little tough. I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, see what he can do in the SHL. But with that said, I'm always a proponent to getting them over to play on the smaller ice in North America earlier than possible. So if that's an option and that's something they're thinking about, I'm all for them bringing him to Abbotsford and seeing what he can do over there. Um, I think that's probably what we all kind of are hoping for. But at the end of the day, if he if he decides to stick over one more year, I hope it's in the SHL. But I love it. Um, okay, Dave, when you were previewing, correct me if I'm wrong. You said USA and Sweden were kind of the two favorites to take home the gold this year, right? Yep. Okay, yep. so two games into it. Uh, I heard this on the broadcast today. Sweden has one gold medal in the last 40 years and 10 silvers in that time. For some reason, I thought they were way better than that. How much pressure is on them on home soil to take home the gold? And do you think they can do it two games in? Yeah, tons of pressure. Like, like, as you mentioned, they're on home soil. Not only that, they kind of prepared for this. They do. they're going to be on home soil. So they kind of brought that team to win you know they, they weren't making any any nonsense moves here they're not trying anyone out they're going for gold um and so far it looks it, it, they look appear they appear to be you know ready for the task um even in their preview games they looked really good against usa except for one period um so all in all i think they definitely do have a shot um it's been kind of tough in the first two games because as we've already mentioned a few times you're not really playing too, too hard against uh, Germany and Latvia. Although Germany surprised yesterday. So they, you know, they made history for themselves yesterday. So it was, I, I saw today as kind of one of those trap games for the Swedes where Germany was coming in, buzzing off, off their big win against the Finns yesterday. And Sweden was coming off an easy game against the Latvians. So it was an easy game for them to lose. And Germany took it to them for the first two periods. It was only two, nothing. And, you know, it, it was a lot closer than it should have been to be quite honest. So. Dave, great stuff as always. I'm sure, I don't know how many more episodes you're going to be on within the next two weeks, but I'm sure we will chat again soon. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> see you. There he is. Have a good day, guys.
Yeah, you as well, Dave. Uh, Dave Hall, who you can find all of his writings over at CanucksArmy.com. He's got game previews. He's got game recaps. Although, admittedly, Dave and I both had holiday brain, and we forgot to do a preview for the first game, so there was just no preview for the first game. And Dave and I had a good chuckle about that uh, over text because both of us were just, yeah, we were Christmased out. And, uh, yeah, was not going to happen. So we've got previews. We've got recaps, courtesy of our pal. Dave there. Harmon, any takeaways from that conversation? Because I think my big one is just how Lakaramaki's off-the-puck skills and looking, and I know his junior, I, I get it, but looking like he could be someone that actually drives his own line, I think you have to be excited about that if you're watching this from a Canucks perspective. It's a massive positive because the worry that I'd had almost watching him at points earlier last season was not worry, but just I was looking at him and going, man, he's got to grow a lot in terms of what he's doing outside of the finishing and the one-on-one skill to ever become the type of player that an NHL coach would trust, right? You're seeing how difficult it's been for the likes of Nils Hoaglander and um, and Andre Kuzmenko, both at times. Obviously, Hoaglander lately has been able to um, move up the lineup and gain a lot more trust, but those are two guys that in in their respective leagues beforehand weren't necessarily necessarily looked at as defensive liabilities. Like I remember watching Hoaglander in the SHL and I was like, okay, yeah, he's not necessarily great defensively, but you would watch him in the SHL and go, he's getting in on the four check. He's driving play. You never looked at him and went one dimensional. And yet when it came to the NHL level, it was a challenge to um, get to the point where an NHL coach could, could trust you. Right. And this is where it's been massive for me watching LeCarrie Mackey Get in, get in on the forecheck, be a little bit more engaged physically, moving his feet, drawing penalties that way. That's imperative for him to become an NHL player. Again, it's sort of what you expected, given that he is now one of you know the older players in this tournament. He was expected uh, to to dominate, but this is this is what you want to see because look, if he was racking up um, a ton of points just from unleashing bombs on the power play and yet his play away from the pocket at five on five and just as a play driver as a whole was um, less than stellar then you'd say okay there's potential here but he still looks like a really long long long-term project really raw so definitely encouraging this one from Oz Nuck and we're gonna get to anyone else in a second but the reason I bring this up is because I just found it uh, just to be a little Interesting, interesting one that I wish we asked Dave about because I don't know the answer. We said, is Finland falling off as a hockey powerhouse? Look, I thought Sweden was a hockey powerhouse. A hockey powerhouse doesn't get one gold medal in 40 freaking years. I did not. I did not know that, Harmon. Like that was that was that was news to me that Sweden hadn't won a gold medal in 40 years. I hope our boys bring it home. We're all proud Swedes this year. Yeah. And speaking of Finland, it's a good question. I haven't dug too deep into their roster, but I mean, it is going to be tough to like, remember, I think it was the 2016 world juniors where like they had just such a stacked roster. And I mean, Lambert. Yeah. Is he there? No, 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 no. no, He wasn't there. He wasn't there at that time. No, he was like 12 Um, years old. (laughs) Yeah. But like you look at some of the current Finnish stars in the NHL, I mean like Barkov, Rantanen, I know Line is had a slow start, but Line when he's at his best, uh, Sebastian Aho, you're right. Like there is, you are sort of wondering like when's that next wave of Finnish talent going to come? But at the same time, Rantanen, Aho, 
Lani, like these guys are still in their twenties. It's not like they're aging out and, and you're wondering that you're wondering, you're worried about there being such a shortage of, of finished talent, but yeah, I mean, it is something to, to keep, to keep an eye on, but it's also sort of like these things happen in ebbs and flows where one year you'll just have a, a stacked roster. Sometimes. I mean, think about the 2019 um, U S national team and the, the amount of talent they had with like Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegras, Cole Caulfield, Matt Boldy, that 2019 draft was just stacked with American talent. So all it takes is one crop, one year of good young players for a country to, you know, for that generation be back on the map. Yeah, and look, I'll I'll be honest, like Finland Finland produces some really good goaltenders and I think that's going to be kind of the next wave because I really believe in a lot of the goaltenders that you're seeing come out of Finland, but they play Latvia tomorrow and I I don't want to answer Osnuk's question about if they've fallen off as a powerhouse until tomorrow. If they lose to Latvia, yeah, they're not a powerhouse anymore. Sorry, that's just I don't make the rules. That's how it is. I know you gave a really well-thought answer, but that's how I'm going to go with it. That's my vibe check uh, on Finnish hockey right now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Anyways, uh, let's get to anyone else presented by our friends at DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat, and it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change. Terms do apply. All right. We've got a lot in here. And harm. I told you before the show, I didn't want to talk about it, but I said, if one person brings it up, we have to talk about it because people want our take. People want to hear our take on this matter. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, the, I don't even want to call it a report. The, the, the video that was posted to social media um, from a podcast, I think it was Spit and Chicklets, about uh, Elise Pedersen wanting to team up with Connor Bedard in Chicago. This one from Andrew Christensen. How many picks do we get when Chicago signs Petey? Like, let's just think about this for a second, okay? Because, first of all, why on earth would he ever want to go to Chicago of all teams? All we've heard during his whole time in Vancouver is, I want to play for a winning team. I want to play for a winning team. Why would he sign with a team that's five years back of where the Canucks are right now? Like, that would be like if 
Chicago was a powerhouse right now. And at least Patterson is who he is right now when he's with Chicago. But he's like, you know what? I really like those Vancouver Canucks. I really like that they just signed Michael Delzato and Sam Gagne to be veteran leaders to bring in the next wave of young talent like the Tyler Maddens of the world, like the Adam Gaudets, all that young talent that they're booming with. And look, they've got that guy Brock Besser who's going to be great. I want to go play with him. Like, that's where that's that's how I can put this best is it's basically like joining where the Canucks were before anything started going right in Vancouver, like before anything went right in Vancouver. That's that's what it would be like for Pedersen to want to go to Chicago. I don't buy it for a second. I just wanted to get my take out there. I don't know why he would want to go there. It 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 I I don't think it's true, first of all, but I just I think it's just it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Great Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Pedersen has guys here that he's grown up with. Uh, since he's joined this organization, they're finally at the top of the league. And I think, you know, there's a connection to William Nylander because they've played together in some world championships that they're going to, you know, chase the bag and go to Chicago. I don't see that those guys as those types of players that would just go do that. Like this isn't the NBA where superstars are, you know, linking up and deciding we want to go play here. Um, Both of those guys want to win. They're both in the prime of their careers and yeah, there's been some speculation that Toronto might not be able to afford Nylander, but I don't think they're just going to let him walk away for nothing. And, you know, of all places, like if the Canucks are going to, what, orchestrate a trade with the Blackhawks, like Petey's an RFA, he's not going to just demand to go to Chicago. Like he doesn't have really that leverage to do so. So it's just, to me, it's just made up for clicks to get engagement and look at the fan base that, you know, that they've targeted here and the reaction it's caused. And I see people quote tweeting it online and they're kind of just feeding into it and getting, you know, this <laughs> rabid fan base that we're all, you know, entrenched inside of uh, all worked up. So, you know, and it's not we should point out like it's not the actual Chicklets guys. It, it was posted on their account. It's like a sub show of theirs. Um, so it's kind of like a game preview betting show. Yeah, they're a former NHL player that, you know, they put that out there. But to me, it's just, it sounds like, oh, well, I heard this from so-and-so who heard this from so-and-so. They're just kind of loosely throwing it out on there when it has no credence whatsoever. So I just don't see how it makes any logical sense. Harmon, your thoughts? (laughs) I I don't just want to keep echoing what you guys said. I think you guys put it uh, just fine. The guy who reported it just didn't even sound like, Comment. No, exactly. Like what he was saying. that's my point. Like he's like wasn't even sure of himself or the report. <laughs> like if you're gonna put it out there, you know, get a couple different sources that you've heard this from, not just oh my buddy heard so and so who knows so and so type of reporting. It's yeah, lazy. And look, look. I know, I know. It's kind of against the rules to to like try and discredit people's reporting. So that's not what I'm trying to do. All I'm gonna say is I have a couple sources that I can talk to as well, and all of them are kind of saying the exact same thing. Uh, that we are. So I don't want to spend much more time on this. At worst, what I view this as is, look, Shohei Otani is represented by CAA. Same same people as Pedersen, even though totally different people. Same company. They also represent like Harry Styles and all these other stars. So do with that what you will. But uh, at worst, I think we're going to see an offer sheet or a fake offer sheet, report of an offer sheet from no. Chicago, just how the Toronto Blue Jays got used in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Got it. I, you got to imagine that's on the CAA. Um 
registered they're uh, going through it as a company like hey look what we did with shohei otani and how we got him 700 schmill let's try and do that with all of our clients so this is at worst at worst that's what this is i don't even want to spend any more time for this and someone in the chat also brought it up that if they wanted Pedersen, like chicago doesn't have the pieces to give it up because the canucks aren't taking back a bunch of first round picks no. for Pedersen, right like they, they want to now, now. exactly yeah so unless you're giving up connor bedard and like if you're giving up connor bedard maybe the canucks will listen but this is so stupid i don't trading even know Pedersen, trade Trading Pedersen or trading Demko or Hughes is the sign of, you know, the white towels being thrown in. They can't win with this group, which a lot of fans wanted the last few years. But look at them now. Top, you know, second best team in the league or right up there, depending on how you want to look at it with points percentage and points tonight and games in hand and all of that. I just don't get why of Chicago of all places. What? Because they have the cap space. You still have to have a quality team to attract players to want to go there. Just because you have the cap space in hand doesn't mean that teams your players are going to want to go there. I want to pose a question to you, Harmon. If you were a player and you had to pick between, like, like you, you're a player who wants to win years down the line, would you rather play for the Arizona Coyotes or the Chicago Blackhawks right now? With with who they currently have, would you rather be on the Arizona Coyotes or the Chicago Blackhawks? Arizona is going to be competitive sooner, but if we're talking about winning a Stanley Cup at spot right point, now, <laughs> if we're talking about winning a cup at at some point in my career, I'd bet on Chicago just because they have a more stable ownership group. Probably not going to get moved, and I know that they're going to spend. Plus, you got a legit superstar in, in Bedard, but it would take uh, a lot of time. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. You can't discount though the impact of playing with quality veterans like Jason Dickinson and, and Nick <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> okay, on that note, <laughs> that's so good. Uh, Nick has put this in the chat. He said Elias Pettersson and Harry Styles to join a One Direction reunion tour, confirmed <laughs> by David Quadrelli. So you, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, okay, let's move on. Well, we I was going to say, how'd you get out. Otani? You had somehow finagled Otani into this. Of course, the baseball guy had to work it in, eh? I had to slip in some Shohei Otani nonsense uh, when I'm talking about Elias Pettersson. Uh, Jeremy Lee said, Coyotes, if you want to retire, which is a great comment. And we got a lot of great comments. So let's move on from this uh, bull crap and move on to uh, some other stuff that we got from our listeners in the YouTube live chat. Uh, This one also from Nick P. Given how active Alvin has already been, what do you guys expect from the Canucks at the deadline? I'll go first, Harm. I was asked about this at a couple Christmas parties uh, over the holidays, and I, I, I think it's a winger. Like, I don't think they're going to tinker with the defense. I think you have the goaltender. Um, I had a dream last night that Patrick Alvin called an emergency press conference to, and I don't know why I just thought of bringing this up now. It just kind of came back to me as I was talking. I had a dream that Patrick Alvin had an emergency press conference because they were unhappy with Casey to Smith and they wanted to get a third backup goalie because you can never have too many goalies in the playoffs was what the quote was. And they traded for Carter Hart. And like, I don't, I don't know what they gave up. It was like a half dream, but I just dreamt last night that the Canucks traded for Carter Hart, but also kept Casey to Smith. And they just said, this is insurance in case Casey to Smith doesn't work out in the playoffs. Uh, but back to the original question, I think it's a, I think it's a winger. Like I think they're going to go out and get a winger uh, ahead of the deadline. If they do anything. The honest answer is that this management group has done, I think an excellent job of 
generally keeping the leaks quiet and not making and making sure that information doesn't get out. So as much as you and I can sort of speculate and uh, try and talk to people and and try and gauge an under, understanding of what the Canucks might do. Ultimately, just look at the track record of the last couple of trade deadlines. Who who thought the Canucks were going to make a swing for Philip Pronick? Nobody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Even the deadline prior, the way they got out of that Hamannick contract, nobody really saw that coming. And then that leading to them flipping uh, a pick for Travis Dermott. So the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, I definitely get the logic in that. Yes, this team could potentially use another winger. And and honestly, a lot of the story could be dictated by how does Kuzmenko fare over the next couple of months? How confident do you feel that he's part of the solution down the stretch and going into the playoffs? But with all that in mind, this management group has, has done a great job, I think, of keeping their plans relatively quiet. And as a result, I don't think anybody on the outside really definitively knows uh, what they're going to be looking to do. This is an interesting one from Jeremy Lee. In the beginning of the season, the Red Wings and the Canucks were in a similar position with a strong young core. What is the main difference as to why the Canucks are so much more successful? I would say, like, there's a few comparisons to be had here, but I would say one factor is that the Canucks core has just done more losing. Like, the Canucks core came into this season being very, very tired of losing. And that's not taking anything away from Detroit's young core, but like, I think Detroit's just at a different stage than where the Canucks are uh, kind of in their retool rebuild, uh, if you will. And I think like, I I think the Red Wings are close to where the Canucks are going to be. Like, I think the Red Wings will probably be where the Canucks are in maybe like a year or two, but I just think we're seeing the Red Wings in a spot that the Canucks have been for years. But the difference this year is one competent roster building around the young core. Um, and two, a young core that was very, very tired of losing. I think goaltending is honestly the biggest difference because right now the Canucks have one of the best goal goalie tandems in the NHL between Demko and, De- and DeSmith. In fact, it is number one in the NHL, according to evolving hockey's model and Detroit just can't get saves, whether it's Huso, whether it's um, Alex Lyon, James Reimer, they have not been able to get saves at all. So that's a massive discrepancy right there. I also think that the Canucks have star talent that the Red Wings just don't. And look, I love Dylan Larkin, Alex Dabrink, it's worked out well for them. But they don't, and, and most Siders are a great piece on the back end, but the Canucks have actual superstars when you look at Quinn Hughes when you look at Elias Pettersson the way JT Miller has been uh, playing Brock Besser look at where he is in the goal scoring race the Red Wings don't have that upper upper echelon of elite talent right now they right now Detroit actually reminds me a little bit of last year's Seattle Kraken uh, where they have balanced four lines that can score Uh, they have a decent blue line but they don't have goaltending they don't really quite have star talent yet um i think the red wings will get there but yeah they're they're between the goaltending and the star talent um i think there's a clear difference there and a funny wrinkle to all that too is of course detroit passed on quinn hughes in the draft to take philip sedina and they also traded heronic over to vancouver uh last year after that Horvat trade. And um, yeah, I think, I think you can hit it on the nail on the head. Their harm is the goaltending is the big one, but also too, like they're still waiting for, you know, Lucas Raymond and Michael's Rasmussen and 
Rasmussen rather and Joe Valeno to kind of take that next step in their development. And they haven't really proved, you know, Raymond's still pretty young. I know this is, he's still early in his career, but um, you know, they, they're trying to hope those guys can take the next step and kind of got a little aggressive. I think perhaps maybe too quick, although they had the cap space to do it signing like Perron and Andrew Kopp. Um, you know, they brought in Petrie and uh, Justin Hole and then Patrick Kane to kind of surround their young guys with, um, you know, some depth there. And it just, I don't know, it just hasn't seemed like it's moved the needle enough. And, but it comes down to goaltending. Like their goaltending is not at a level that they need to be at. If they want to be one of those teams, like we talked about with Ottawa, we talked about with Buffalo at the start of the year is potentially taking a step to try to get into that playoff, um, you know, wildcard spot uh, in those, in that division. That's, you know, still, Toronto, Boston, and the Florida teams to uh, to take here. I had one anyone else that I wanted to get to, uh, and it was based on today's morning skate, which you can read about over at CanucksArmy.com. Uh, Carson Soucy hit the ice today. Uh, he's not going to be in the lineup tonight, people are asking me in the chat, but a nice time for the Canucks to have a nice little break in the schedule because Carson Soucy hits the ice today. The next one is going to be January 2nd. That's when we wonder if he'll play, but he'll have some time to get on the ice since then. He spoke after the morning skate. I had the write-up over at CanucksArmy.com. So if you want to read the full quotes from Susie, uh, go read it. Talked about the injury. Talked about how, he, yes, he knew he was hurt as soon as that shot went off the back of his leg. Um, going to be interesting to see how the Canucks line up when he gets back because you're going to have four left-handed defensemen uh, in your lineup. And how are you going to take out Noah Juleson when the way he's playing right now? And Harmon, I almost forgot. I, I remember this now. Uh, I think on the 23rd, that last game with San Jose, Talkit did it. He said Noah Juleson has been one of our best defensemen. He threw he it did? out there. Yep, we were waiting for it, and he threw it out there. He said Noah Juleson has been one of our best defensemen. Not better best one of our best defensemen but then i think he added like afterwards um from a defensive standpoint or from keeping it simple he he added a caveat there but uh <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that that came out of his mouth was that noah Juleson has been one of our best defensemen and of course anytime that's said about one of these defensemen we have to say it on the show so there it is noah Juleson, one of their best defensemen but Harmon, how do you think they'll line up once carson susie gets back I almost just want to wait to cross that bridge when we actually get there, just because knowing this team's luck, somebody else on the blue line is going to go down <laughs> by the time Susie's healthy. Um, so, yeah, but with that said, I mean, the main question is just can one of the lefties play on the right side? Because I think the simple answer, probably based off credentials, history, track record, would be Noah Juleson coming out. And then maybe you have... Uh, Ian Cole moving to the right side and, you know, perhaps Susie Cole is, um, is one of the pairs you lean on since it seems like Hughes, Hronik and Zadorov and Myers have been playing, you know, have been tied to the hip together essentially as two pairs. So that's my initial thought. That was going to be my question is which left shot do you think slides over, but you, you answered it there. So. It's good though that they have that those options that Talkit has, and I know he's kind of been reluctant to play uh, left shots on the right side. We saw earlier on in uh, in the season there, but um, yeah, once once this lineup is fully healthy on the back end, knock on wood that they don't get another injury. You know, that's a pretty mean, tall, rangy, physical shutdown decor that. You know, you have a lot of guys who might be traditional five sixes, but if they can all kind of chip away and just be 
five, 10, 10% better than uh, what they might be pegged for as, you know, you're kind of start to get the sum of all parts working your way up where you can support that Hughes heronic top pair. And yeah, may, those guys may be traditional bottom pairing defensemen, but if you kind of cycle them all through and uh, let them play within their limits, I think that's a pretty, you know, shrewd way to go about it. And we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. And like Harmon said, it's going to happen eventually. And we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay, folks, we're going to have one more show tomorrow. Uh, then we, we will be back on January 2nd. Uh, but before that, we got to get to our Betway bet of the day. And of course, there's going to be a game tonight. So we're going to have one to talk about uh, tomorrow. But really interesting stuff from Carson Susi this morning at Morning Skate. All right, Grady, pull it up. The Betway bet of the day brought to you by our friends over at Betway. Look, he's had some time off. He's going to be well-rested. Quinn Hughes is going to score his 11th goal of the season tonight. He also scored his 10th against San Jose in that final game. It was an empty netter. Uh, He's going to score his 11th tonight. That's what I'm saying. A $10 bet at plus 300 odds will return you $40 over at Betway. It must be 19 plus play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. One step closer to taking down Faber in our little bet there and me getting my steak dinner uh, at his his boss's place uh, with a couple rum and cokes as well. I love seeing your one. tweets when whenever oh. you scores, you just tweet at him and you just got the countdown going. <laughs> and not only do I tweet at him, but when I'm in the press box, I lean you down play. and look at him and he's always looking right not. back at me. Like we're not yeah. even watching the celebration, not watching anything <laughs> to do with the game, not on our laptops. We like lean down and look at each other because we you don't like send a tweet and then you just lean down just to give him that other, you know. Yeah your little shot oftentimes i'll look before i even tweet like as soon as the puck goes in my head just shoots out and looks at him because i have to i have to lean to go see him and yeah he's always leaning and looking back at me and usually he's mouthing a couple words uh (laughs) that i can uh, read his lips on but uh yeah it's uh it's gonna be good gonna be good when Hughes hits 20 in this show we're gonna have a big celebration i think you know people are asking like when when's Faber gonna do a hit Favor and I have talked about that, and I, I think it might have to be as soon as Hughes hits 20 goals. Favor will come to a hit uh, on the show, but we'll see. I don't want to speak for him. Uh, we'll see when and if that day comes. But for now, we will wrap it up there. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, and our technical producer, Grady Sass, my name is David Guzzelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.